Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com. Before you're seated, I want you to do something. Can we just give the Lord just a big old round of applause in this place today for His goodness and His grace and His mercy? Yeah. Amen. Thank you, worship team. You guys can be seated. Who's ready for the Word of God today? I love the Word of God. It's just the most wonderful thing in the world. Um, I, I've never in my life started a sermon without a joke, so I'm going to do that. I'm sorry for those who that offends. I'll just repent now. Um, and, but the good news is Michael Carter was right. I have a little bit of ADD in me, so you're not going to get very long because I'll forget what I'm saying, you know? So... I'm going to hurry up and get this going while I can. A Sunday school teacher was discussing the Ten Commandments with her five- and six-year-olds. After explaining the commandment of honor thy father and mother, which is a great one, uh, she asked, is there a commandment that teaches us how to treat our brothers and sisters? Without any hesitation, one little boy quickly answered, thou shalt not kill. (laughs) If you're a parent, you can appreciate that. I was driving home, actually back to the office from lunch about two months ago, and just out of the blue, the Lord just dropped this word in my heart. That seems like when the Lord speaks to me, it's, I wish I could be super spiritual and say, you know, when I'm bowed down in my office and the door's shut and the worship music's on, I really hear the voice of the Lord. It's really not that way. It's usually in the car or Walmart or the shower or somewhere weird like that, but he just spoke to me. And so I went to Pastor Jeff, and I said, hey, I have this word. I just feel like sometime maybe I want to preach it. And he so graciously just, man, let me do it. So can we honor our pastor? Um, He's a good man. I love him. And I appreciate the opportunity to speak today. So the title of this message today is called If Only. Living in the land of if only. You know, we all have a time in our life when we deal with spiritual giants, things that we need to overcome. Some of those giants can be real apparent, like a neon sign, you know, like lust or addiction or something like that. It's just, it's real glaring and apparent. But some giants are far more hidden and sneaky and not near as apparent in our lives. But no matter if it's a, a glaring neon sign giant or something more hidden in our lives, um, we still need to overcome, right? We need to live in the victory that Christ has given us. So I, this is called the giant of if only. We live in a world that thrives on telling you that you need more than what you have. And the reason you're not satisfied in life is because you need something else, especially at this time of year, Christmas. Have y'all been to the mall yet? I mean, come on. I don't go there because I try to stay safe. I'm just joking. Um, (laughs) Can I get an amen? Let me give you an example of if only. As a kid, 
you may have thought, if only I could get that new bike, then I would be happy. As you progressed, if only I could hurry up and get my driver's license and my first car, come on students, I would be happy. If only I could find a date to ride with me in that first car with my driver's license, I would be happy. If only I could graduate high school and get this behind me, then I would be happy. If only I could find the right college, then I would be happy. If only I could get my college degree and figure out what I'm going to do with my life, then I would be happy. If only I could find my good job, then I would be happy. Maybe a little bit into that. If only I could make more money at this good job, then I would be happy. If only I could find my soulmate, this beautiful wife or, or the spouse, this man of God that the Lord is meant for me to do life with, then I think I would be full inside. I think I would be satisfied. I think I would be happy. A few years into that, if only we could have children and have a family, then I would be happy. And about four years after that, if only these kids could start school, <laughs> then I'd be happy. If only these kids could finish school and get a job and move out, then whew, I'd be happy. If only my children would come back home and see us and spend some time with us, then I would be happy. Never being completely satisfied with where you are at in life or with what you have. I want you to fill in this blank in your head today. If only I had blank, I would be content. I want you to take a minute, think about it. Actually fill that blank in in your head. If only I had blank, then I would be content. For a lot of people, it's money. If only I had more money, I would be happier and life would definitely be easier. There was a story of a man begging on the corner of New York City Street, and he was speaking out loud, and he said these words, if only I had $100, then I would be happy. And he kept saying it over and over, and a guy passing by walking said, excuse me, sir, did you say that only if you had $100, you would be happy? He said, that's exactly what I said. He reached into his pocket, and he had a crisp $100 bill, and he handed it to him and walked off. And immediately, the guy begging on the corner said, if only I'd asked for $200. It's the giant of discontentment. I recently heard this definition, and I liked it the most of that word, discontentment. It's a combination of sadness, frustration, irritation, and disappointment with your current situation in life. I'm going to read that one more time. A combination of sadness, frustration, irritation, and disappointment with your current situation in life. Church, I have news for you today. God has not saved you and given you his Holy Spirit so you can constantly be unsatisfied and looking for something else to fill you up. 
God has not saved you and filled you with his Holy Spirit so you can live a subpar, unvictorious life. Come on. God has saved you and given you his Holy Spirit so you can overcome. Can I get an amen? God has saved you and given you his Holy Spirit so you can be full inside no matter what your circumstance may bring. Psalm 118.24 said, This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. It does not say, if only I had this, then I would rejoice and be glad in it. It does not say, if tomorrow brings this, then I will be glad and happy and rejoice in the Lord. Are you missing the greatness of today because of discontentment? Today is the day the Lord has made. This day right here. Today is the day. You know, in around 61 AD, Paul wrote the book of Philippians. You know where he was when he wrote that? Prison. Chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day. Deprived of every comfort and could not come and go as he pleased. For a full two years, he was in this situation. Theologians often refer to the book of Philippians as the book of joy, the one he wrote while in prison. The reason Paul had joy while he was in prison is because he had learned the secret of contentment. Philippians 4, that's our main text today. If you brought your Bible or if you have your phone or tablet, whatever you're going to use to read the word, we have the screen up here behind me. Philippians 4, starting in verse 10. I want you to turn there. Philippians 4, verse 10 says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Everyone knows that part. You might be thinking, well, Paul wrote that because he had a supernatural, spiritual gift from the Father in order to write two-thirds of the New Testament. I've got one word to that comment. Nope. That is incorrect. The reason, you see, there's a word in there. If we can go back, I don't know if it's up there. It says, he learned in whatever state he was. Say that word, learned. You know, God does give spiritual gifts. He gives gifts of healing, gifts of prophecy, gifts of helps. There's all kinds of spiritual gifts. But contentment is not in the list, friend. And that's good news. Because all of us can learn contentment. Paul was a human breathing air just like you and me here today. And if he learned it, so can we. So what is Paul's secret? 
Well, I don't know all of Paul's secrets to being content, but I did write down three keys to contentment because every good sermon has three points. <laughs> Point number one, you must recognize that God is sovereign. God is not surprised by your current circumstance. I'm going to say that again. God is not surprised by your current situation or circumstance in life. He's a sovereign God. Do you think that on the day that Paul was arrested and thrown into prison, the father whipped out his iPhone 10, sent a text to Mike and Gabe, and was like, urgent staff meeting, 10 minutes, throne room. They're like, oh, yes, sir, coming on my way. Got in the throne room. The father was like, boys, we got a problem. What is it? Our boy Paul, you're never going to believe it. He's locked up. He's supposed to be writing the New Testament. What are we going to do? Gabe's like, we'll break him out, cause an earthquake. Shake that place open, bust it wide open. I don't think so. God wasn't surprised, and he's not surprised by your current circumstance because he's a sovereign God. Paul knew that his father had allowed him to be in that situation for a reason. He also knew that his father was with him and that he would not leave him nor forsake him and probably wanted to do something in him and through him in that current situation. Can I tell you today, God probably wants to do the same thing in you in your current situation. Number one, he's not surprised. He wants to do something in you and through you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Matthew 10, 29 says, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And yet not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. The cheapest of birds that there is, but yet the father knows when even one of them falls to the ground. Are you not worth more? than the cheapest of birds? Do you not realize that God knows your situation and your circumstance? He's a sovereign God. The word of God says in 2 Corinthians 12, 10, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and needs, persecutions, distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. James 1, 2 through 4 says, my brethren, count it, all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I believe that we serve a sovereign God. You must believe that your God is sovereign. Number two, this is my favorite point of the whole day. Realize what you can experience in Jesus. Psalm 1611 says, You will show me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Church, let me tell you something today. You can have a party on the mountain, and you can also have a party in the valley. 
You can be full when everything is great and there's money in the bank, and you can be full when everything is not great. You can be full because your righteousness is from Jesus Christ and not of your own. You cannot work hard enough, and you cannot be good enough to be in right standing with God. It is only through Jesus that you and I have righteousness. I love this verse, Romans 5.17. I'm going to read it in two different translations, though, starting with the New Living Translation. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Now, I've been reading a different translation. Some It's called the Passion Translation. It's only in the New Testament. If you haven't read any of it, you should check it out. Same verse, Romans 5, 17, and the Passion says, death once held us in its grip. And by the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over humanity. But now, how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life, enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and the only Jesus Messiah? Romans 10.4 says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Say the end. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Galatians 2.21 says, I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Church, you are righteous if you have believed in the Lord Jesus. If you have called upon the name of the Lord, the Bible simply says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you have called upon his name and believed in him, you are the righteousness of Christ. I want you to say this phrase, I am the righteousness of Christ. That's who you are according to the word if you have believed upon that name. There is no amount of good works that you can do to be saved. It is through Jesus alone. And that is reason enough to be content. That is reason enough to be full when you're on the mountain or when you're in the valley. Amen? Jesus alone. Part of our main text was Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I think we say that verse a lot for all kinds of stuff, and I'm sure it works, you know, like the Olympics, like in gymnastic, through Christ who strengthens me, I can get a gold medal, football games. Well, I mean, whatever it is, I mean, it's awesome verse. But, you know, in its context, it's saying when I'm full and when I'm empty, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I love the story of this man, You may have heard of him. His name was Horatio Spafford. I'm going to read it because it's better if I read it and not try to tell it. I'll jack it up. Horatio Spafford was a successful lawyer and businessman in Chicago with a lovely family, a wife, Anna, and five children. However, they were not strangers to tears or tragedy. Their young son died with pneumonia in 1871. 
And in that same year, much of their business was lost in the great Chicago fire. Yet, God in his mercy and kindness allowed the business to flourish once more. On November 21st, 1873, the French ocean liner, Ville du Havre, was crossing the Atlantic from the U.S. to Europe with 313 passengers on board. Among the passengers were Mrs. Spafford and their four daughters. Although Mr. Spafford had planned on going with his family, he found it necessary to stay in Chicago and help solve an unexpected business problem. He told his wife he would join her and the children in Europe in a few days. His plan was to take another ship. About four days into the crossing of the Atlantic, the Ville du Harve collided with a powerful iron-hulled Scottish ship, the Loch Urn. Suddenly, all of those are on board were in grave danger. Anna hurriedly brought her four children to the deck. She knelt there with Annie, Margaret Lee, Bessie, and Tanetta and prayed that God would spare them if that could be his will or to make them willing to endure whatever awaited them. Within approximately 12 minutes, the Ville du Harvey had slipped beneath the dark waters of the Atlantic, carrying with it 226 of the passengers, including all four of the Spafford children. A sailor rowing a small boat over the spot where the ship went down spotted a woman floating on a piece of the wreckage. It was Anna. She was still alive. He pulled her into the boat, and they were picked up by another large vessel, which nine days later landed them in Cardiff, Wales. From there, she wired her husband a message which began, Saved alone, what shall I do? Mr. Spafford later framed that telegram and placed it in his office. Another of the ship's survivors, Pastor Weiss, later called, recalled Anna saying, God gave me four daughters. Now they have been taken from me. Someday I will understand why. Mr. Spafford booked passage on the next available ship and left to join his grieving wife. With the ship about four days out, the captain called Mr. Spafford to his cabin and told him that they were over the place where his children had went down. It was at that spot that he penned these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot that was taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. You see, money can't buy peace. Things cannot give you Peace. Only Jesus can give you peace. Only Jesus is the reason Mr. Spafford could sing, It is well with my soul. The last point, number three, which I thought was appropriate for this time of year and especially this week coming into this holiday, which I love so much because I love food a lot. Number three, be thankful. 
1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always. I knew a man named Stan. Actually, let me rephrase that. I still know a man named Stan. He's not dead. Um, Stan was one of our elders at Trinity, a great man of God. And Stan would always say the same phrase, no matter what. You'd walk in the room, you'd be like, hey, Stan, what's up? He'd be like, well, hallelujah. He's an old, old guy, you know, kind of a country. And, or how, praise God, praise God. And he just always said that. One day I was teaching a guitar lesson in the afternoon. I just remember the day in my office at Trinity, and um, I got a phone call. And it was someone telling me that Stan's daughter-in-law and um, her son, Stan's grandson, had been in a terrible car accident, and they had life-flighted them to Northwest, and they didn't know if they were even going to live. And so I, I just shut down my lesson, and I immediately got in my car, and I took off to Amarillo, and I came into the lobby at Northwest, and there was Stan. And um, I, I came in. I said, Stan, Stan, what's going on, man? And the first words out of his mouth were, well, hallelujah. And I just thought, how can you say that? And it's this right here, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, rejoice always. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, do not quench the spirit. You see, we never read it like that all separated. So let me read it like it was probably meant to be read Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus, and do not quench the Spirit. Can I ask you a question this morning? Is it possible that we as believers have quenched the Spirit by not doing those three things said right above that? Have we quenched the Holy Spirit by not rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, giving thanks in all things? I know I have. Can you ask yourself, have you? I think you should. I want to end with this last scripture. If I had a, a summation of everything I'm trying to say to you today, this scripture would be it. Matthew six thirty three. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Friend, if you have discontentment in your life like I have, I have had, I probably still do some, the word of God has the answer. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. I want to do something today. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit a question. Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me through this message today? What are you speaking to me through this message today?
we're going to have another worship song. We're gonna, we always do time of ministry with one more worship song. During this song, I want to open up this altar. I want to open it up for anyone who this message has spoke to you today. If you are struggling with anything that we've talked about, discontentment, let us, let us pray with you. Let us agree with you today. Also, this altar is open. You don't have to come and let someone physically pray for you. You could come and just bow down and ask God to forgive you for having idols in your life or things that maybe you've put above Him, for things that you've counted on and trusted in rather than the Lord, things that you've tried to find your fullness in rather than His presence. As I was talking about my second point, it was finding your righteousness in Christ. If you haven't done the most simple and wonderful act of all mankind, which is whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Let me tell you something, friend. Today is your day. Do not leave this place without making that most wonderful decision. If that's you, you can come as well. This is also a time when we allow people to join this church family. This is a wonderful church, but I need to tell you something. There is no perfect church, but it's a great church. If you need, are looking for a church home, this is a great place for you and your family. If you would like to come and let us help you with that. Whatever the circumstance may be, we're gonna worship. We're gonna do another song. I encourage you, whether you stay or whether you come, find the presence of the Lord through worship. Worship Him with all of your heart. Come and let us pray for you, whatever it might be. I'm gonna pray and we're gonna do that. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We love your word. Your word produces a harvest 100% of the time. Your word does not return void. And God, I just pray that your word would do what it was sent to do, that it would heal us, that it would bring us to you, God, and that it would set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using the Church at Bushland, and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland. 